Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. can almost hear in Eli's voice the, not only the gratitude, but also the regret. And you may be wondering, what do you mean, regret? Well, his own sons were completely gone away from the Lord. They were doing horrible, wicked, wicked things. And can you imagine as Eli is seeing this young boy, just a heart full of God, and just wanting to serve him very simply and very devoutly. Today, our scripture says, even as a child, even as a child, Samuel distinguished himself in his service to the Lord. His service was exceptional enough that he received a linen ephod, which is a priestly garment. Though he was a child, Samuel served the Lord better and in a greater way than the sons of Eli did. What man looks at in the service of God is often not what the Lord looks at. Now let's open our Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 18, and follow along with Pastor Rob. Ephod. Remember that Samuel was a Levite. His parents, Elkanah and his mother, Hannah, were Levites. They were from the tribe of Levi. So Samuel was a Levite, and he wore a linen ephod. And in Exodus chapter 28, it really lays out the different garments and the different articles of clothing that not only the high priest would wear, but also the other priests. And I love what it says there in verse 19. It says, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe. And that literally is a tunic. And if you read in um, uh, Exodus 28, uh, beginning in verse 40, we won't go there, but um, it talks about the, the, the design of the tunic. And it's basically a sleeveless garment that reached uh, from up here, and it would be sleeveless, down to his knees, and it would go under the ephod. So the ephod would come over the top of it. And so as he would grow, can you imagine his mother? You know how kids grow. He's five years old, probably. We don't know how old he is at this point. Very young. And his mother... Every year when she would come to make that trip to Shiloh, she would bring a little bit larger size. You know, maybe started off with a 2.5. Next year, she brings a 3.5. The year after that, she brings a 5, then a 7, then a 9, and then a 12. And every year she comes and she gives him this new thing. And can you imagine the joy in her heart as she's sewing that thing and she's thinking about him? So year by year, she, when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice, she would bring up this. And Eli, notice verse 20, would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. 
And then they would go down to their home. Notice, even in his compromise, this man, this Eli, this priest, that he prayed to God and God answered. God answered his prayer. We'll see that in the very next verse. We've already read it, but in verse 21 it tells us what it is. But we'll wait until we get there. You remember what it was. But notice, this is not the first time, but this is actually the second time that this compromised high priest said something to Hannah that God had answered. This is the second time that God had answered Eli's prayer, even in his own compromise. The first time was when, in, in, chapter, uh, in chapter 1, uh, verse 17, remember when Hannah was heartbroken before she had Samuel, she went into the tabernacle and she's just pouring her heart out and she's moving her lips and Eli makes a wrong judgment of her, thinking that she was drunk. And, and basically she says, you know, I'm, I'm a woman of sorrow. You know, I, I've been praying something for the Lord. And notice what Eli says to her, and this is his prayer for her. Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And that's exactly what happened. God did answer the prayer. Isn't that a mystery? I find that a mystery. I find it a mystery how somebody could be a television evangelist and completely... Um, void of God and just in it for the money <laughs> and, and maybe even living a dual life and, and this happens and yet millions of people are on television watching them and there's a little elderly woman in uh, you know, some little small town in Wyoming she's watching the program and she gets saved <laughs> isn't it amazing? God can use anything He'd much rather use a priest that is sold out to him, a man of God who has integrity with God and his heart is right with God. He would certainly rather use that, but God's arm is not shortened. It's not lax. He can do anything. But notice, in verse 20, he says, The Lord give you descendants. He said that to Elkanah and his wife and Hannah. The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that she was given to the Lord. And I can almost hear in Eli's voice the, not only the gratitude, but also the regret. And you may be wondering, what do you mean, regret? Well, his own sons were completely gone away from the Lord. They were doing horrible, wicked, wicked things. And can you imagine as Eli is seeing this young boy, just a heart full of God, and just wanting to serve him very simply and very devoutly, And for him to look at that little guy and be thinking about, man, I wish my sons were like that. When they started off like that, why didn't I teach them better? I see something in this young man that my son should have been. And can you imagine the regret? I can almost hear that in his voice as he's saying, The Lord give your descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. The loan because he knew how valuable it was and how valuable this little young life was to them. I imagine young Samuel was being more of a witness to these, these men who have been in the ministry for a long time. And sometimes it takes that. Sometimes it takes somebody who is uns- untrained and unschooled and doesn't know anything at all to come and confound the wise, to come and confound the professionals. And that's why we always have to be in a place of humility and brokenness when we serve the Lord and not get too big for our britches. And you know, that kind of leads me to encourage you. 
to give your kids, give to your spouse, give to your family everything that you have. Give them everything. Don't let a wasted time go, go by. Don't live a life of regret. So many people, you know, like Eli, perhaps as he was looking at young Samuel, having many regrets as he watched him grow and perhaps learned a few things and was now seeing him as sort of like a grandson. And you know, there's nothing worse than having regrets. I have regrets over the way I've even raised my daughter. She's 13 now. And if I could go back, I would change things. And all of us would probably say, I I probably would too. Different things we should have done better. But live a life of no regrets. And you can start tonight. Don't wait till tomorrow. Start tonight. Live life to the fullest. Do everything purposeful. Don't just coast through life. Be purposeful in what you do. Be purposeful in the people that you love. Show your love to those that you love. Show it to them. Tell them daily. Prove it by actions. Guys, prove it to your wives over and over again. Try to win her heart like you were when you first were courting her in the very beginning. Remember that? You would do anything for her. But now after 20-some years, you're not so much willing to do those things. Rediscover that, that flame in your heart. And even if you don't feel it, do it anyway. And watch the response of your spouse when you do those things that you never, you just kind of gotten lazy, right? A relationship is worth investing in. And it is an investment. When we're no longer, no longer investing, we are becoming, we're going in reverse. And it's only a matter of time before compromise comes in. The secretary starts commenting you on how, how good you look. And the guy across the street mowing the grass is without a shirt. He's looking pretty good. All of a sudden, things start going through your mind, and you're like, I haven't thought about that in a while. And the devil goes, you know, you're still pretty young. What's wrong with it? But give everything. Give it all you've got. Love those you love. And notice verse 21, it says, The Lord visited Hannah. So here is the answer to Eli's prayer. So she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. And now in verse 22, it gets into this prophecy about Eli's household. It says, Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all of Israel and how they lay with the women. Yes, they were having sexual intercourse with women who had come to worship the Lord in Shiloh. Can you imagine anything more heinous? than that, you know, to, to be in a place of, of leadership and instead of doing the right thing and honoring God and, and doing these things, you're actually doing these wicked things. And notice how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now, this was a very cultic sin that the Canaanites were guilty of. This is one of the sins that God had wiped out the Canaanites. Remember those seven nations that the children of Israel were going to dispossess. And God told them in the beginning, and some of you may not understand this, and so, you know, you just have to understand when God says he gave them a lot of time to repent, the Canaanites, these seven nations. There came a point because of hundreds of years of their idolatry and their wickedness, God says, enough's enough. And he brought his own people in to to that land. He said, destroy everything. Man, woman, child, every single thing. Destroy it all. Why? Because of their wickedness. 
I don't even want one person to survive because they know the wicked things that they have done and they've been doing it for a long, long time and I don't want you to learn their wicked practices. Is that what really happened? No, they went in and they did a half-baked job and now they were indwelling and intermarrying with those Canaanites that they should have wiped out to begin with because God wanted to start clean with them. He wanted to give them a law and to, and to, uh, to reveal himself in and through them. And for them to be a holy nation. But it was an occultic thing that they were involved in. They, would, they learned this from the Canaanites that were still in the land. And now they're having intercourse with these women right there at the tabernacle. And you know what? Sexual sin is a great tool that the enemy of our soul uses against men and women. And especially men in ministry. It's unfortunate, but it's like every year I hear of some big pastor out west or somewhere locally that gets caught in some kind of sin. Folks, pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastors. They have a big bullseye. When I was a Christian, I I still am, by the way, but um, when (laughs) when I was new in the Lord... The bullseye on me was that big. And as I became you know, involved in, in worship here for 23 years, the bullseye got a little bit bigger. And now I'm the senior pastor. The bullseye is much bigger. And the devil wants nothing more than to take me down because he knows that if he can, that he discourages most of you. Now, hopefully you're not looking at me too much. Hopefully you're looking to Jesus. That's always the healthy thing to do. But there are pastors who fall into sin. And the whole congregation is wiped out. And some of those young Christians, they just fall away. They put their trust in the pastor rather than putting their trust in the Lord. That's lesson number one. Never put your trust in the pastor. I hope you can trust me, but pray for me and Pastor Richard and Pastor David and Pastor Kevin. Pray for us that we would live lives holy and blameless before the Lord in everything, in our conduct, our speech, everything. Even in our thought life, the things that none of you can see. May that be the truth, and I hope that it is. But these men were involved in this, and the devil uses this tool all the time. And he uses it because it works most of the time. He doesn't pull out a new tool from his tool belt. He doesn't need to. He's got some well-worn tools in his little bag around his waist. And he's like, these three usually get most people. Drugs, sex, money. Doesn't have to use much else. Pride. He's got four of them in his tool bag, and they're very well-worn. His hand has opened them, and they've got all the... Everything is so smooth on the tool because he's been using it so much, so much. Every generation, every generation doing the same stupid thing. Fathers, grandfathers, sons, grandsons, they keep doing the same thing. He keeps handing out the same tool, and everyone just falling, falling, falling. Do Do you ever get sick of it? Guys, do you ever get sick of it? Of feeling like just being bludgeoned over the head by the same stupid thing? You know, some, at one point, I, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, Lord, I know that this is a spiritual thing, but help me not to be that way. <laughs> Get through this thick head. Help me to think about what is happening. Ladies, and whatever it is that, that drives you, whatever sin that may be of yours, it could be bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. It could be a lust for things, you know, clothing, a house, security. Maybe a man who really loves you and treats you the way you should. And that's a good thing, but sometimes that can be an idol, can it? 
You know, and it's like these things are tools that the devil uses. And he certainly used it with these men, and they fell for it. And um, men, if you have a penchant for sex or for porn, it's only a matter of time before the devil sets you up. And he creates the perfect storm, and he destroys you. Or he destroys your marriage, destroys your job, or your ministry. If those things are alive in you, you have to confess them to the Lord and you have to get it right. I've never before in my life seen so much of this in the church as it is right now. And for the things that I know, I know that that's just the tip of the iceberg. And it breaks my heart. And if it breaks my heart, I can't imagine how it breaks the Lord's heart. I've had men come to me, you know, just these these issues... Some wives are about ready to throw him out. Been dealing with this for years. He hasn't turned. Why? He's on the verge of being thrown out. His kids, his wife. And is it worth it? Is it really worth it? It isn't worth it. And that's the question we have to ask ourselves whenever we're tempted. Whenever you're tempted with any sin, guys, ladies, ask yourself, Is it it really worth it? It really is not worth it. Even if you've lost all of your fear of God, even if you have no concern about the sin that offends God, and you're willing to destroy your, you know, are you willing to destroy your life, your family, your marriage? What you've worked so hard to, to build up, is it worth it? It reminds me of, in Leviticus 10, you recall a couple of the sons of Aaron. Remember, Aaron had four sons, Nadab and Abihu and Eleazar and Ithamar. And Nadab and Abihu, God killed them. They were in the temple. They were Levites, and they were to bring incense before the Lord. And can you imagine, year after year, day after day, week after week, they're doing the same exact thing, and I know exactly what that's about because in this fellowship I've had the joy of serving for over 25 years. And I remember mopping the floor when nobody was here. I remember doing all those things daily, daily, weekly, weekly. And then there comes a point where you're just like, what am I doing this for? Who am I doing it for? Because if if it's for any, if it's for Jeff, who I love dearly as a father to me, there comes a point when the monotony of it gets to be so much that it's like, you know what, I can't do it for him anymore. I can't do it for a human being. And I remember I came to that conclusion one day. I'll never forget it. I was out there mopping the fellowship hall floor when we had the school here. And I was really busy when the school was here. We were all very busy. And all I wanted to do was just worship the Lord. I wanted to spend more time learning songs. And I remember just breaking down in the middle out there. And I was out there by myself. All the kids were in their classrooms. Nobody saw me. And I came to that decision, that crisis point, where I'm like, you know what, God? I know you've wanted me to do, you've called me here for a reason, and I'm, I'm very happy to do this. But it was just one of those moments where I had to really ask myself the question, who am I doing this for? And that was a great question. And I had to come to the decision, I can't do this for Jeff. I thought I was doing it for the Lord all the time, but you know how your heart can deceive you. Some people you admire and you'll do anything for them until things get monotonous and year after year after year after year and you get into the 10th, 15th year and you're like, is this ever going to change, you know? 
And it's a wrong heart. But I had to come to that conclusion. Who am I doing it for? And then once the Lord really convinced me, he's like, Rob, you do it for me from now on. Don't think about Jeff or anybody else. This is between you and me. Can you do it for me? With a smile. And I'm like... But notice in verse 23, he said to them, notice his sons, he says to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. You know, if these two men had sterling characters, they would have been encouraging to holiness everyone that was coming. But no, they were the ones that were the instigators. They were the ones that were the the, the initiators of this sin. They should have been examples, but yet they were instigators of this sin. They were hypocrites. They were play actors. They might as well have had the Greek masks on. Behind their face, they're all feeling down and blue, but they got this this little mask that has the smiley face and it looks really cute and they can, you know, but deep inside they're dead men's bones, but they got this facade where everything looks all right, but they're really not okay. That's the way they were. These men were hypocrites. They were play actors. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good habits. It corrupts good habits. Who are you hanging out with? What kind of habits are you picking up? What kind of habits are you promoting by your life choices, by your lifestyle, by the things you say, by the way you hold yourself, by the way you even dress? What are you saying to everyone else around you? These are things to consider. Notice, nevertheless, well, actually verse 25, if one man sins against another, God will judge him, Eli tells his sons. But if a man sins against the Lord, then who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, notice this, the men did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. They didn't listen to the voice of their father, and the implication is is that he did nothing to dissuade them from this, and there appears to be no consequence for their behavior. No consequences. Just a bunch of smoke Oh, it's really not good, guys, what I hear. It's, it's not good. But run along. No consequence. No telling him, son, take off the garments right now and hit the bricks. I don't want to see you for three days. <laughs> Go somewhere out in the desert where there's lions and bears. And then in three days, come back if you're still alive. See, that's what a, I'm only kidding here, but, you know, a tough father might say something like that. And the kid's like, oh, my gosh, I'll never do that again. You know, and that's really what should happen. Put the fear of God in him, right? But we don't see Eli doing anything. Oh, it's not a good thing I hear, but, you know, it's, it's okay. I mean, after all, I'm only human, flesh and blood, a man. Really? No. They didn't listen to their father. Basically a slap on the wrist. No consequence or censor at all. These men more than likely grew up knowing that their father wouldn't follow through because he hadn't so far. Here they are probably in their mid-twenties or early, you know, late teens. And here's dad telling us again to stop doing that thing, you know. What are we going to do? He'll get over it. It's probably just what he ate last night. They continue on their merry old way. Eli's words were empty. They were, he was like a cloud without rain. Cloud's supposed to give something, right? When you see a dark cloud, it's supposed to water the earth. Eli was that dark cloud, but he didn't give nourishment. He was just 
a dried-up vessel himself. And it's important that we discipline our children, teach them the right things, the Word of God, because if we don't, then we have a generation of spoiled, disobedient reprobates. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.